Hello everyone and welcome to Bear All, the brand new dating and sex podcast by open-minded dating app Bear. I'm Sophie, the host, and each week I'll be joined by a fab guest who'll be coming on and talking about all things sex and dating related. Grab a glass of wine, sit down and enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the third episode of Bear All. This week we're going to be chatting about sex and dating as a single mum. I am joined by Julia Kotsiamani, who is a love, sex and relationship coach who works exclusively with single mums. She was recently featured on the front page of The Telegraph writing about her important work and own experiences as a single mum. Welcome Julia, thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Do you mind, just to begin with, expanding a little bit more about your work and the kind of things you do and the clients that you work with? Yeah, sure. So um, as you said, I'm a love, sex and relationship coach um, who works just with single mums. Uh, and I have one-to-one coaching clients and also online programs. Um, and I post a lot of free content because I want it to just be really accessible. Um, I think single mums have a really unique time in the dating world especially around sex and intimacy we have lots of challenges um, and some really exciting opportunities that the other people don't have so I am the coach that deals with all those things. Great it's yeah I I've never really heard of a, a sex and relationship coach who works just with like that subcategory of people or of, of single moms I think that's really interesting I don't know if that's a there are lots of you out not lots of you lots of people who do this kind of work or is it quite is it quite unique to sort of choose one sort of category to work with so as far as I know I am the only one um I don't have um there may well be others mm-hmm. but um as far as I'm aware in the space I'm I'm on my own. Um, it is unusual. I mean, obviously, single mums are are women, <laughs> and so you know there are things that that lots of other coaches will cover. But um, I did feel that this was this was something I, I there was space for. The, <laughs> there was nobody who was there when I was looking when I was dating myself. And yeah, as I said, there are there are unique challenges. Yeah, I can imagine. And before we get into all of that stuff, we start off each episode by playing the sex position game, which is probably my favourite part of each episode. Well, I like everything, but it's it's very fun. So our wonderful social media assistant has sent both of us a strange uh, sex position, which uh, to everyone listening, Julie and I have not opened yet. We've been under strict instruction yeah. to keep it just for right now. So if you're ready to get it up, Julia, and we will talk yeah. through what we can see. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, right. I'm opening it now. Same. Ooh, it looks okay. like potentially like it's from the Karma Sutra, I'm guessing. Yeah, it, it seems to be a group, a group situation. To, yeah, to describe it, so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six individuals. We've got one man who has a woman who's, she looks a bit like a frog. That's probably not, not in terms of, um, in terms of the positioning that she's in. So she's sort of in a kind of reverse cowgirl position, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's also got, so she's sort of sitting backwards on him and her, arms around his neck and then his his toes on each foot his toes are um 
inserted into two different women um yep. <laughs> which hopefully they're enjoying themselves and what else is going on oh and then each of his on each thing he's got his left hand he's fingering someone and then again on his right hand I believe yeah this is a man with many talents yeah like, <laughs> assuming all these women are having a good time yeah, I mean, if, multitasking. if they're all having a great time then um you know good for them good for him uh, I guess it's bringing a whole new meaning to sort of multiple orgasms if it's uh all sick right <laughs> Uh, very efficient if he is if he's managing all those yeah but any guesses on what this yeah. might be called oh my god <laughs> I don't know the octopus <laughs> yeah or maybe the spider because there's oh yeah um, yeah something like starfish or something that just has lots of things coming out of a main point I guess yeah What's your what's your final guess? Are you gonna go with star? You're gonna go with starfish? Yeah, I'm gonna go with starfish. I yeah. I want to call it the finger and toes, but I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be a name in the Kama Sutra. <laughs> I'm gonna go with spider, but I definitely don't think it's spider, right? I'm gonna open the answer. Oh, exciting! Oh, okay. It's called the herd, which makes sense. The herd. The herd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are there. I suppose that they they are herd, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're doing their thing as a herd. Um, yeah, I was going to suggest like the group or something, but I thought that would be a bit too basic. But the herd is pretty self-explanatory. It's quite cute because it's sort of like uh, you think yeah. of like a herd of sheep or like a a group of people all in it together. <laughs> which I mean, it looked like they were all having fun. So anyway, but going back into your work and what you do, so. Yeah, why? I mean, you mentioned before that you noticed that there was sort of a gap in the market um, in terms of there wasn't really a dating coach who focused specifically on single mums. Was there anything else, um, whether that be in your personal life or experiences that made you like want to do this, want to help other single mums um, in their dating and sex lives? Well, I suppose it did all start when I myself um, was a single mum. So I found myself a single mum uh, seven years ago, nearly now. So I had an 18 month old daughter and I was six months pregnant um, when I did separate from uh, the father of my kids. And so obviously wasn't dating immediately, but as somebody who has always enjoyed sex and I wasn't sure that I wanted a new partner per se, but I did want to to date. And I wasn't quite sure how to go about that. It seemed like a slightly taboo topic. Um, I couldn't find any advice. I sort of launched myself into personal development and I couldn't find anyone, anybody who um, whose work would fit into what I found myself in. All the dating advice was for single mums was kind of limited to a paragraph in a book or um, was just sort of brushed over. And a lot of the advice I just couldn't implement in my life. So I thought, well, this is really frustrating. <laughs> so I uh, sort of grappled my way through dating successfully, unsuccessfully, um, and sort of learned as I went. And then when I was when I was retraining as a, a love, sex and relationship coach, I just thought, you know what, like th- there needs to be somebody who's just talking to this demographic because you, it's not the same as for everybody else. So yeah, that, that led me into it. 
Wow. Yeah. So what are these sort of extra complexities that um, single mums have to face when dating? I mean, apart from the obvious, they've obviously got their children to consider uh, and things like that. But what, yeah, what are the kind of struggles that you find that maybe you found yourself when dating or that you found with clients or people who work with you? What, what do they struggle with when dating? So it's kind of multi-layered. So there's the very practical material things like time, um, not being able to just kind of hop out on a Friday night and go and meet somebody. Um, so limits on time and babysitting and the cost of that. Um, uh, as you said, just having the kids. So fears around damaging them or them being exposed to something um, and lots of societal pressure about how you should behave or shouldn't behave that I think we're probably going to touch on that a bit later but mm-hmm. um, that that is quite shame inducing there's body confidence issues post babies and um, having come from usually not always but often a long-term relationship dating again is kind of full of fear um, and and kind of senses of having already failed at something and those those things can take a really long time to kind of unpack and address um, so that you can feel liberated for sure because yeah I think even you know anyone who's coming out of a long-term relationship even without kids there is that fear I think a fear of commitment a fear of intimacy like a fear that you've sort of lost touch with the dating world and the idea of dating again or even sleeping with someone else who wasn't your long-term who isn't your long-term partner like that is terrifying for lots of people and then I guess Mm -hmm. add in a child um that would be really difficult to navigate um I mean I can only imagine I don't have children myself but yeah I've even for me coming out of, of long relationships and there's like yeah that fear and it must be so much harder for for some single mums do you find that like there are certain assumptions or almost stereotypes around single mums and if so like what are those and how does that feed into their sort of dating or sex lives? Yeah there's some that are kind of are quite uh, contradictory or feel a bit paradoxical but on the one hand they're seen as kind of sexless and there's this big taboo about mothers um, enjoying sex or um or wanting a sex life. So anything that isn't a kind of straight into another marriage and Mm. step family situation is seen as, yeah, I mean, there's lots of pressure to to kind of conform in that sense. So if you are somebody, and this is where I found myself, I just wanted, I'd just come out of a a marriage, you know, I wanted to just date and really wasn't looking to like launch straight back into something. But there is, there is a sort of stereotype of, this mother um, who's kind of completely sexless and it's sort of just gross that you would be considering dating. Um, And if you are, that it had to be um, something committed. And then the flip side of that is that there's a lot of assumption that you're trying to sort of trap somebody and that if you are gonna date someone who has kids, Mm -hmm. you're automatically gonna be dragged into being a step parent. And you know, that that basically we're we're trying to replace fathers Um, So that can be quite hard. You don't want to sort of downplay the impact of having a family. But then on the flip side, it it is something that you can date with without bringing into the picture whatsoever. So, yeah, (laughs) can be quite complicated. Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, I I think even myself, I would have preconceived assumptions that have probably been probably been fed to me whether that's through sort of 
TV, media, society, all that, all that stuff that, yeah, you know, the assumption that potentially single mums are going to be looking for something more serious or more long-term commitment than someone who's dating without children. And that you wouldn't necessarily put casual dating or casual sex, you wouldn't necessarily necessarily associate that with single mums. Um, which is interesting, but when you think about it logically, like, yeah, the difference between a, a, a single mum and a single woman without children is just the fact that they don't have children, their desires for sex or whether they want something casual or serious, that's just mm-hmm. gonna, that's almost nothing to do with their children as such. That's just their needs or wants or desires at the time. But yeah, like that's that's just something that I've thought about and I would potentially make the assumption as well. Um, did you find that when you when you were dating that if you mentioned or brought up that you had children, did they did that put some people off in terms of they were thinking, mm, I don't want anything serious, I don't want to get involved in a family? Or generally, did you find the people that you were dating were quite understanding? Some and some. I think before I did before I did a lot of like my own personal work um, and and obviously did my training um, to coach other people, I was dating kind of unintentionally. Um, I, I knew I didn't want to necessarily jump into something, but I wasn't sure if I wanted something casual. You know, I kind of did that thing that lots of women do, which is sort of see what happens, yeah. see yeah. what comes my way yeah. <laughs> and then decide. Um, so until I kind of did quite a lot of work on on my own intentions and, and what I was what I was looking for. Um, yeah, some and some. So some men were obviously terrified and thought I was gonna try and like wife up to them immediately. And they were suddenly gonna be dating all three of us. And I was looking for somebody to, yeah, to kind of like, I don't know, there's there's all these stereotypes of sort of a parasitical, like single mom who's just looking for somebody to, to support them um, and I really wasn't. So some men did jump to that conclusion and the opposite as well. Some men kind of thought, oh, well, you know, I won't take it seriously. So there were people that perhaps um, I would have liked something, well, a bit less casual than it wound up. I, I felt that I was sort of seen as uh, one night sand territory. Um, mm. And until I got very clear with myself <laughs> about what it is I wanted, that that was quite, it was quite challenging, actually. I mean, that fits into something that I've actually discussed on this podcast, how um, women in particular are sort of split into the sort of Madonna hall, like they either want, they're either good for one night stand or their wifey material, girlfriend material. And it's like one or the other. And it seems like you experienced that as well, that, you know, yeah. some running away because they thought, you know, you'd want to marry them and then be, you know, rely on them and maybe a more, a very traditional gender stereotype of, sort of the man of the house and all of that stuff. Yeah. And then on the other side, people just seeing you as one night stand and that's it. And it's like, I think people still struggle to understand that women's sexuality and desires or wants from relationship can float between that spectrum. It's not one or the other. Yeah. Um, I think having kids actually uh, sort of takes a magnifying glass to that. And that is, yeah, the Madonna Hall thing on steroids, basically, mm-hmm. because it's it's upfront. It's um, you do see very quickly whether somebody is yeah concerned that you're trying to marry them or like use you or try to use you. <laughs> I think that lots of mums get get completely caught out by that. Um, and it can be a really good asshole filter, you know, like, you know, that people do tend to have strong opinions about it either which way. And um, it sort of stops you in some ways, um, 
kind of falling foul of that because people do tend to react quite upfront about it. I mean, having kids, it's there, like it's at the front of it. If you, especially, you know, obviously I, I, think it's a good idea for women to bring this up quite early on <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's much point hiding it when when do you so both actually when when you were dating how did you bring it up and also what would like if a client came to you and said I want to start dating or go on dating apps but I just don't know how to communicate with someone that I've got children what what would your advice be about that and, and what did you do yourself so um, I think there is a balance. I think you need to be upfront about having kids. Um, and in my situation, um, for those who I met on dating apps, um, obviously there were other people that I met in real life. It was a conversation that happened before we'd meet up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I have two children, you know, just in the initial stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly with people I meet in real life. Um, And then the flip side of that is that I wouldn't put pictures of my kids on dating apps and I wouldn't lead with it. Um, And I think it's there is a delicate balance to be struck between being clear about what your situation is, but also not not presenting just as the mum, because I think both not mentioning it and just putting the kids front and centre can be quite challenging um, and So I guess, yeah. you know, whilst, I, I mean, I can only imagine again, not a mum, but being a mum, I'm sure it's quite a big part of your identity. It's not the defining feature about you. Um, mm. So why should that be the first thing, that perspective? People that you're dating are going to find out about you when you're a mum, but also so much more than that, because there's other areas of your personality that are potentially separate from being a mum. I don't know, that's my guess is that about right yeah there is a very personal journey with it I mean if you are somebody who's really not interested in dating seriously and you have no intention of ever introducing somebody to your kids um it it can be something you bring up much later or not at all it depends Mm -hmm. entirely what you're looking for it's just not something that I would spring on somebody you know five dates in (laughs) when they thought we were we were heading one way because if you are going to date anybody um seriously or you know even mid term you know short term beyond a a fling the time restraints at least will come up Um, and it is such a huge part of your identity and it does shape how you go through life and it's just something that I found I needed to talk about (laughs) yeah and with the time restraints because so how do you sort of navigate that so I guess if you're arranging dates you've got to make sure that there's a babysitter or they're with their father so is that is that quite complicated in terms of like you said you can't just on a Friday night spontaneously go out because you've got to think about your children I did have a I had a decent babysitter um, and my my mum was quite hands-on so I was lucky in that sense they weren't seeing their dad Um, for the first year or so so there wasn't that um, the freedom that I experience now for example my kids are away for a week because we split the holidays now so I have a full week without them which obviously makes life a little easier in terms of my romantic life Uh, so I think I just took it quite seriously like for me I've always been sexual Um, dating had been quite a big part um, of my social life before um, or you know or, or people that I was was having um, flings with or, or or partnerships but so I, it was something that I knew that I wanted to bring, bring back into my life I didn't want to have a long 
celibate period though obviously I had some (laughs) um being that I was pregnant at the time but um so it was something that I just always took quite seriously and I knew that I did want I did want love in my life going forward I knew that I probably did want a a long-term partner eventually but I was in no rush and wanted to kind of explore that so for me it was something that I put emphasis on I I did schedule well in advance um and I would do the best I could to sort of screen people up front because there there's nothing worse than having one night off in three weeks and um, booking a babysitter um just for somebody to either flake or be a complete disappointment so mm. there is a sort of big pre-screening process yeah. um that mums go through well that I certainly experienced and lots of my clients do so with um, their pre-screen with- is that sort of just done through just normal sort of chit chat and then you just sort of look out for any red flags or do you have like specific questions that you'd want to ask someone before meeting them so I I'm not really the kind of coach that gives a sort of very specific framework I'm, I'm not one of those people that's going to be like text him this yeah it's all very much about the internal work so uh for a start I, I ask my clients to spend a lot of time really tuning into themselves and what they truly desire and their own pleasure and what it is that they're looking for what they have space for in their life what they what they really want to to have from um a liaison or 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 a relationship uh so that's a really good point because then you can just kind of pass on anybody who's not not giving you that basically (laughs) also lockdown's been really good for this because obviously everyone's online dating so you're not kind of you're not on the back foot which it can sometimes feel like if you know people without kids could go on maybe three dates a week if they want three four whatever you can fit in if you're serious about wanting to find love you know lots of single women I know who don't have kids date every night of the week looking for someone um and I don't find the energy for that date (laughs) I wouldn't even recommend it to be honest no I I want to schedule two dates for one day like a lunchtime date and an evening date and I after the lunchtime one I was like no I need to cancel and rearrange that one because they take it out of you just because I feel like you've got to be switched on a lot more than you do with like coffee with a friend or something so props to any woman who do every night of the week I mean props to them but also like if it is love that you're after it's possibly not the best um the best tactic because how can you possibly (laughs) how can you possibly like know when you've come across a good one if you've you know given them half an hour but so yeah the, there's a big kind of pre-screening process that you can talk a bit more we're not all kind of well as of today or we're back out and about but it's been a process of of basically not being able to meet up with people and having to do online dates um that kind of takes the hormones out of it you're not just kind of thrown by somebody smelling really great but being really bad news just taking things a bit slower because yeah you can't go out all the time um and just making sure that you trust that that person's going to show up and show you a good time, like whatever it is you're looking for. If you have invested time and money in, in getting that free time. Does it then also like on a practical side of things, let's say you went on a date with someone and you got on really, really well with them and you fancied them a lot and you wanted to like go back and potentially sleep with them. Is that something as well? I guess that if if you've only got a babysitter for a set amount of hours that you've got to say, no, can't have sex tonight or stuff like that. Yeah. Does that sort of get in the way sometimes? Um, it does, uh, but I suppose there's a lot of desire to be built in that. Um, and I suppose it is, it, it, there, are, there are limits to spontaneity. 
especially if as you say it's a babysitter rather than a family member or somebody who's like comfortable to stay overnight um I recommend with my clients and I did this for myself that you do try and have quite a rich and full social life anyway and try and put measures in place that means that you can have whatever whatever social life that looks like for you so I love to go out dancing until the early morning so I I definitely got in place quite early a, a group of people who could could watch my kids while I while I did things like that and that gave me the freedom to to obviously explore things sexually with people as well it's it's just about pre-planning which isn't terribly like romantic or spontaneous or go with the flow but is a kind of practical consideration yeah yeah no um I mean I guess as it means that you're using your time wisely and like you said with the pre-screening it means that you're not wasting an evening on someone who's potentially a catfish or isn't going to show or is not the kind of person you want to be spending a couple of hours with did you ever feel like when you were because I I mean you did mention at the beginning that there is this, this assumption that mums is um, especially single mums sort of sexless and their whole lives are just almost their children and things like that did you ever find or feel or maybe your clients rather than yourself that they feel almost guilty for going and and being sexual or meeting up with people um or that some people might perceive that as not the right way to do motherhood and so these did you ever feel that imposed on you like completely um and this is an awful lot of the work I do um with mums I've always been as I said quite a sensual person like my sexuality has always been one of my strengths um in terms of how I've well all the work I've done in my life and how I've how I've always presented it's just a kind of innate part of me so for me it was quite comfortable to be in that um and it wasn't like unexpected though I did have a lot of fall out from from my ex and from yeah from more kind of traditional family members I get an awful lot of judgment still on the internet you know there is a there is a a huge trolling culture towards mums who are sexual which is not to be underestimated how shaming that can be and how difficult that can be for some women you know with or without kids lots of women struggle to embrace their sexuality and to um to wear it up front or or feel proud of it or like not want to hide it um so a lot a lot of my work centers around that in fact like I've got a whole program coming up um next uh, the beginning of June just around how to develop that so it is it's one of the kind of key pillars of my work is is helping women overcome that shame and I imagine it's like a double whammy because I feel like mothers especially new mothers are scrutinized for how they raise their children the choices they make in that sense and then women's sexuality as a separate note is also scrutinized like you know like don't be a prude but don't be too slutty or the you know the horrible words are thrown around so it's like, and then I guess for single mums who are dating, it's like those are put together, like the judgment on being a good mother and the judgment of being sort of a good woman as well. So the right amount of sexual, like, yeah, for like society to yeah. be okay with. Drives me insane. Yeah, no, I mean, all of those things and, and the assumption that as soon as you've had a baby, you are like a completely different person. Mm-hmm. There is a kind of, I, I did a lot of work and I, I still do, um, making sure that I as an individual am who I am authentically all of the time um there's a huge pressure to kind of have a baby and be a completely different 
human and suddenly be and obviously you do develop like mothering instincts and there's a new version of you to kind of play with and and, and work with but you are still yourself and there's a huge pressure and expectation to suddenly be a mum and therefore like not interested <laughs> in sex and then still the pressure not to be approved and to put out appropriately on demand <laughs> it's like absolute minefield to do everything just right like yeah wow apart from like obviously the shame is like such a huge part and that's something that you work with your clients a lot in terms of sex or you know sex again after having their children or with a new partner what are some of the fears or, or struggles that um clients potentially have to overcome um more of the sex part of dating rather than just dating mm. as a whole so obviously um slightly stereotypically but but really ingrained quite deeply is our relationship with our bodies. I don't know any woman who hasn't gone through quite a radical body transformation post-birth. Even if other people can't see it, you know, like that things feel a bit different um, and that takes a long time to get used to. Some women feel more sexual after because, you know, the things have got curvier for them or, or they just feel empowered. You know, pregnancy and birth can be very sexually empowering and we don't talk about that very much. But that your own relationship with your own body and your own pleasure does change and that can be hard to navigate um the other thing is you have been through emotional trauma if the breakdown of a relationship but also physical trauma you know obviously our vaginas are are built and designed to do this but there is that is a a traumatic experience and that can just have long-lasting effect lots of my clients uh get very desensitized and disembodied and kind of don't feel things as much as they did before um so kind of working through that and reconnecting with your own pleasure can can be quite a difficult journey on top of that yeah all the stuff around not wanting to appear either slutty but also lots of my clients recognize that they're now less inhibited there is a kind of freedom with being like oh my god I did did my body did this thing and I am woman now you know that those things um can come up not for everybody but for some people there's a kind of new lease of life and if you have had a serious relationship or a marriage breakdown there's a kind of like sometimes a fuck it attitude that's like well I just want to explore all these things that I was too nervous to bring into my sex life before so there's a slight stereotype but I do think it comes up quite a lot that lots of lots of mums go by for a bit or they like you know they have more threesomes or they um, just want to explore things that they were perhaps a little inhibited to do before. Uh, I love that I love that something sort of quite natural but also yeah quite traumatizing but it can also have that is help almost helping some women especially potentially with you know, leaving um, a long-term, potentially restrictive relationship and being able to explore themselves maybe in a way that they didn't feel like they could do when they were younger. That's, it's kind of, yeah, that's quite beautiful in a sense, I guess. Yeah, um, I find it, lots of, lots of mums feel loads of liberation, especially if they've got with somebody when they were quite young and sexually inexperienced and now just have a kind of new chapter or even a new book that they're like, you know what, I'm just going to just try this stuff I've always kind of fantasized secretly about but haven't had the the right space to be able to explore it I love that because I think there's also this notion that like your time to be wild and free and sort of 
explore things sexually and potentially yeah explore your own sexuality and you know do the threesomes you know try sleeping with someone of the gender you don't usually go for you know all those mixing things up that's associated probably in you know your university or your early 20s and then you become a parent and you become this serious responsible sort of person who doesn't you know those, your wild days over so I, I and which is such a horrible re rhetoric to suggest that almost you know, there are certain things you have to do when you're young and things you can't do when you become a when when you become a mum. So I love that there are probably plenty of women out there who, you know, life doesn't stop when they have children right. and actually some potentially their best years or most fun years uh, while they're living them right now or are ahead of them rather than behind them. Just kind of sexual renaissance when everything that you've sort of planned has not gone to plan and you just think, okay, like back to square one, what do I want to... What, what have I learned? What kind of confidences have I gained from this? And what do I no longer care about upsetting? And, and who am I? You know, because you are, well, I found myself um, out of a marriage, um, quite a traditional marriage uh, with somebody who's quite religious. So it was quite restrictive sexually. I found myself just kind of being like, well, like, what the hell do I want to do? And having having an, an actual like sexual revolution by myself, which was, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of and, and try and help as many women as possible go through because there are some massive plus points which are underestimated, I think. Some, um, I mean, you touched on this briefly, but are some of your clients, I guess, you know, they might feel a bit disconnected from their bodies um, because they may have changed sort of, uh, post giving birth because I think we're also fed all, all these jokes potentially around women and vaginas in particular and um, the whole notion of of being tight and things like that and or even other things of general other areas of a woman's body that that change when she after giving birth is that something that sort of clients bring up that they're afraid of how they'll feel to a partner Yes, um, lots and lots of fears around that. I, again, because you feel different, there's an assumption that you feel different to other people, mm -hmm. um, which is certainly certainly not the case I found for the vast majority of women. Um, obviously, for some women, there is there is very traumatic birth that can take a long time to heal. But the the societal stereotype is just is just that it's not it's not based in reality. It's not, um, you know, everyone comes in different shapes and sizes anyway. Yeah. Um, it's not something that I even think is reflected back from partners. I think it is more those kind of jokes that 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 build the fear in 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 the women themselves rather than um yeah anything that's based in reality but it does take a while to work through that stuff for mm -hmm. sure yeah and I think even with pregnant bodies as well there's this is yeah as soon as you get pregnant you're sort of not sexy or desirable anymore um I've definitely felt like that message has been fed to me from like tv shows and stuff so mm -hmm. and then I guess it potentially gets gets worse post postpartum as well and when you mentioned that some of your clients mention desensitization and they might not feel as sensitive or like sensual um, or struggle to feel things do you what do you recommend so it's it is certainly not something that's just um just with mothers because it's it, for most women unless there has been a, a huge physical trauma um during during birth or, or postpartum um it is the same as for women who don't have kids who are just disconnected um and we can do this because of sexual trauma or assault or we can do this for all kinds of emotional reasons um so 
but it is very it is very personal to to each individual but there are there are some things that you can kind of universally do which is yeah focus on pleasure focus on giving yourself little moments of pleasure even if it's not a kind of full <laughs> full like start to orgasm experience just little kind of yeah bits of pleasure throughout the day uh, it's very hard when you are a mom, especially a new mom, to to make time for yourself. Um, and I think it's absolutely vital to reconnect with your with things feeling good as mm-hmm. as quickly as possible in whatever way that feels comfortable. Because obviously everyone's situation is different, and there could have been huge physical and emotional trauma around why they have found themselves in this in this position as a single mom, and that a lot of a lot of self. Um, acceptance and self-care um, and and pleasure yeah trying to make things feel good for you and working out what what you can feel and what does feel good yeah I really like that sort of focus on on pleasure uh, do you think as well I mean I'm, I can sort of guess the answer to this but that uh, single mums and single dads are judged in different way by society Yes, <laughs> I'm sure you can guess where I was going with that. And I don't, I, I want to preface this with, it is not easy to be a single dad, obviously. Mm-hmm. Some of these things that I'm talking about do apply to single dads. Obviously the time, the, the practical elements of having kids um, do without doubt affect the dating lives of single dads, um, not to be minimised and for sure an issue and I don't know if there is one uh, like a sex a sex coach for for single dads um if there isn't there's a gap for that but um I think um obviously the way that 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 single dads are viewed in society is almost the polar opposite of how single mums are so lots of this shame that we're talking about doesn't necessarily apply and obviously a lot of the physical things don't apply because um, they they haven't birthed anybody um, you know obviously for trans dads that that might not be the case but as a general rule single fathers um, have a different they're dealing with a different situation which is why I don't I don't work with them but <laughs> that is one of the questions I get asked almost every time I have a piece of press or mm-hmm. or anything happens they're like what about single dads and it's like yes <laughs> what about them um they yeah they just have a completely different set of 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 issues and challenges um again not to be minimized but we do view single dads differently they are almost um unanimously sort of this heroic parent who stayed I mean even I have my own assumptions of this I kind of assume that single dads like that they're widow uh, widowers or their uh you know their, their wives have upped in the middle of the night to join the circus look there's <laughs> just like a completely different rhetoric around it um and uh the, the opposite for single moms we we are still the parents who stayed <laughs> like more often than not we're the parents who the kids live with Um, you know for every single mum there is a single dad and we don't necessarily think of it in those terms but more often than not the kids live with the mother still Um, again not always obviously but there is this sort of a notion that uh, that the the mother is to blame in some way and this probably just stems from out and out misogyny um, and and political things we are seen as sort of parasites in society um, who look for 
support there's there's just the stereotypes of single moms on benefits or yeah hunting for another man to steal his resources and uh it's all mm. just very old-fashioned and mm. kind of grim and not true um and I just don't think that single dads face mm. that in quite the same way no. well to just before we wrap up we've got three true or false questions that are they're mainly about single parents, as that is your area of expertise. So I'm just going to read out the statement and you just need to tell me if they are true or false. Okay. So. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> also, all these stats were found from the Gingerbread Charity, which I believe is a charity that helps single parents. So the first one is um, 78% of single parents are women. Is that true or false? I mean, I suppose that has to be false simply because, uh, unless it means parents who live with children. Yes, sorry. Because, that's what I, mean. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there, there has to be the same number, yeah. um, you know, apart from the, the yeah. self-selecting. Yeah. I, would be, I would buy that. Yeah, I would believe that. It's actually higher. It's 90%. 90%. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did think that there was more of a more of a shift than that mm. um I was surprised as well um, and once again it makes that question that we've just covered of the what about single dads even more ridiculous yeah <laughs> they make up a much much smaller percentage okay so the next one is that true or false the average age of a single mum who lives with as who is the main caregiver of her children is 38. I think that's true or false. Oh, I think that's false. It's true. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that may be because of the, yeah, because of later later, later divorce, divorce or relationship breakdown, I'm guessing. Yeah. I think there are lots of stereotypes that single mums are are kind of young and reckless, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, like a but, sort of like teenage mum sort of story. right but yeah I should know that really because most of my clients are in their 30s you know like late 20s and 30s is is probably the the largest demographic but I guess I work with. also generally um not always but women tend I guess tend to now have children later on and later on like more into their 30s so perhaps that feeds into it as well and then the last two of those is the average age of um a single father is 38 as well oh I don't know <laughs> I'm gonna go with false you're right it's false it's actually 45 it's quite old. okay not, well, not old, yeah but yeah it's a decent difference there um well thank you so well you got you got one out of three but they were quite tricky so I don't think that matters they were quite tricky. I mean, I seriously obviously need to bone up on my stats. <laughs> it's like, it's not um, but thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I've learned a lot and it's been such an interesting discussion. And I think the work you're doing is so important. Um, would you just mind sharing like how people, listeners can find your services or as well as your social media handles? Yeah. So, well, firstly, thank you for having me. It's been really great. Um, and I have a website, um, which is www.juliacotziamani.com. So just my name.com. Um, and I'm on 
not all the social medias I'm not a TikTok person <laughs> um, but I've got um, well mainly Instagram and um, I have a Facebook community um, called The Fireplace with Julia Cozzimani and just my name at Instagram is probably the best place to come and find me but all my all my coaching and all my courses are on my website so amazing well thank you so much and thank you. yeah have a lovely evening and thank you to everyone who's listened.